Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi there and welcome to Scout the Game Week. Scout the Game Week is a brand new weekly podcast brought to you by the Fancy Football Scout Scout Network. Each week we'll look back on the game week we've just played and assess what we can learn to help us in the next round of fixtures. We'll also be catching up with a member of the Scout Network to find out what they've been up to, as well as gaining an insight into their FPL planning and content. I'm Sam from the FPL family. Let's start the game week. This week, I'm joined by the lovely Ted from TED Talks FPL. Ted, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Uh, we're enduring this crazy game week with lots of free hits played and, and lots of changes to the schedule for game week 19. So keen to get stuck in. It's been a bit of a crazy one, hasn't it? I think there was something like 1.4 million free hit chips played in Game Week 18, which wow. in all the years I've played FPL, I don't think I've ever known there'd be that many free hit chips on a single week, ever. That is, that's crazy. Although 1.4 is only, what, 20, 25% of the entire game? So it's probably not as much as we think. No, and I, and I think there is definitely the FPL community bubble it was the Definitely. it was the thing to do, wasn't it, to play a free in game week eighteen. So there'll be a lot of us making up that one point four million for sure. How about your game week eighteen? How's it been so far? Uh, a little underwhelming, to be honest. Um, I had a Fernandez captaincy blank, which wasn't great, uh, but but it seems like the only captains that paid off were really Harry Kane and, to a, maybe to a lesser extent, De Bruyne. Son blanked as well, which wasn't great. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm on 37 points with the free hit played. Um, and I've got three Arsenal players to come later, which I think and I hope are going to give me the, um, the rank boost I need. Currently, I'm sort of breaking even on the rank, on the overall rank. So uh, I don't think the Arsenal players are too well owned outside of the free hit, uh, the free hit players. So hopefully, if, uh, yeah. if the likes of Lacazette and... Tierney and even Smith Rowe do anything for me, then I'll be getting a green arrow. Yeah, they're How nearly about... the same for me as me. I've got uh, Lacazette and, and Tierney, um, but also um, I went with Saka this time round. So those three for me to go. Um, I'm having an all right game week. I had Harry Kane as my captain, of course. I Very, nice. Very um, nice. Yeah, I just kind of thought originally my whole plan going into game week 18 was always to captain Bruno this time around, but yeah. Um, Actually, that, that Fulham fixture, when that appeared for Spurs, I was like, well, you know, going back to game week 16, my intention was to captain Harry Kane against Fulham. So Yeah, he should have had more as well. I think it was a good shout. Um, yeah, he, and I I, think... he was unlucky. He was unlucky not to return more than he, he did in that game. And Spurs yeah. being a bit wasteful again. Um, Although Fulham, Fulham were all right, weren't they? They did, they did well. And, um... so Fulham played really well. And, and I think, you know, later on we can talk about Fulham in a bit more depth because for me there's been a change at Fulham and suddenly they're a little bit more interesting for us as FPL managers um, in terms of getting on them. Yeah, it's interesting. Like the likes of Lookman and Cavalero, even Loftus-Cheek. I don't know whether he represents uh, amazing value as um, like an FPL asset, but he looks he looks great on the pitch. Mm. So um, no, I agree, I agree. 
I mean, I'm on 44 so far with those three Arsenal players to play. Um, annoyingly, I, I had Luis as my, my goalkeeper this time and did get a save point, so got three, but I also had Ramsdale as my sub. Oh, no. So that's, that's nine points at the bench. <laughs> but that is my season's head. I always leave a load of points on my bench. which is You're having really a good really season, good. though. I think you're, we've, we've been neck and neck so far this season. <laughs> so I need to chase you down at some point. Um, but yeah, you're having a good season, right? What's your, what's your overall rank? Um, so I'm up at 58k now. That's excellent. So I'm hopeful that, um, that game week... The game week 18 can see me into the top 50k with these three Arsenal players to come. Because like we say, you know, whilst owning Arsenal players is fashionable and free hits idea, it isn't generally across the rest of the community or it hasn't necessarily been because of Arsenal's performances. So I'm hopeful that they might give me a little bit of a boost tonight. Um, and if I could start game week 19 sat inside the top 50k, that would feel like really nice progress from, from the yeah. last few weeks. Definitely. I, I think I've been playing around with the, the what if tool on live FPL and uh, it's an excellent tool. I'd recommend going and seeing it, but going and using it. Um, but yeah, I think even if you put in two points for the Arsenal players, you get a huge rank boost because they're so lowly owned. So yeah. um, I think you definitely will get a boost from your impressive 50k, which I'm Fingers very jealous crossed. of. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers <laughs> crossed. Right, so let's talk about Game Week 18 in a little bit more depth then, because I think for us as FPL managers, one of the things that's really useful is to, to look at what's been going on in the game week that we've just had um, to help us kind of look ahead to what's coming, because we obviously know that Game Week 19 is ran full with a load of, of fantasy fixtures for us to kind of debate about chips and whether we use them, whether we don't, um, which players we bring in, do we have doubles everywhere, do we keep a couple of single players? So I think in order for us to assess that properly, let's just have a quick look at, at Game Week 18. Was there anyone that really impressed you so far across Game Week 18? I, I think it's a really difficult one, this, because it hasn't been uh, an outstanding game week for for goals, has it? There's only oh, one I team agree. that's that scored more than one goal, and that was Everton without Calvert Lewin or Richarlison. <laughs> and we thought surprising. that they were, yeah, on a downward on a downward trend in terms of attack. So it's been very surprising. Um, the let's start off with the Newcastle Sheffield United game, which I thought was actually more entertaining than I thought it'd be. It I was good, Sheffield... wasn't it? It was a good yeah. watch. It was. I, I, I wasn't expecting Sheffield United to be that good in their build-up play. I, I thought they were excellent, and um, but they just lacked that final, that final touch, that final finish. So uh, I thought Newcastle were rubbish. So um, <laughs> it doesn't really bode too well for their assets going forwards, and their and their fixtures aren't great. And Newcastle playing Arsenal, Leeds, and Everton in the next three, and Sheffield United are playing. Spurs, Man United and Man City in their next three. So I'm not sure they're either going to be too popular um, in the team selections going forwards. Uh, but I was I, I was uh, impressed by, by Sheffield United's play. Chris Wilder's definitely had a word there. And uh, it's nice that they've got their first win of the season. And I think for me, the interesting thing about Sheffield United is that they offered, they do still offer quite good value for money because nobody's been buying them. So there's not been loads of price rises. The players that owned them at the beginning of the season have taken a couple of price falls. So you can pick up a little bit of a bargain. So if you're wildcarding, if you're starting to kind of think about longer term strategy for, for your FPL team, um, maybe some of the Sheffield United players could provide you with some decent bench fodder 
absolutely guaranteed to play at least so you're guaranteed to get some points off your bench if you get some covid related issues or or games getting postponed or what have you um but they're not necessarily going to get your holes every week of course because we've not seen that from from sheffield united but they, they did look better yeah, they did. I think uh, I think that's you know that's some wise words. Like if you if you're not going to play them every week, they're just going to be sitting on your bench. You can target the the easy games. I think they have West Brom in game week 22, so mm. it could be uh, an interesting one um, when the likes of Chelsea and Tottenham play each other in 22. So yeah. I don't know whether you bench any of those assets, but you know, it's an option. I think players like John Lindstrom, I was going to say John Lindstrom, but, you know, fancy God, but I think John Egan, um, for me, provides, is somebody that I'm kind of toying with the idea of, because at 4.7 million, he's not the cheapest of defenders going, but equally, he's not the most expensive, and he's a player that I'd quite happily bench through the difficult fixtures, and then, like you say, play in those slightly easier ones where the clean sheet looks more likely. And we saw last season that there's some attacking potential from from these Sheffield United defenders, particularly in in Lord Lundstrom, as we had at the beginning of last season. But um, for me, yeah, I think Sheffield United they've been a hard no all season so far. But the last couple of games, we start to see some improvements from them, and, and I'm starting to consider them as benchable players that that are guaranteed to give you at least some points off your bench if the worst happens and you don't get a full team out. Yeah, absolutely. Egan's a good shout. Um, I have my eye on Ampadu. I'm not 100% sure how much he is, actually, but um, if he's cheaper than Egan, it might be. Mm, he is. He's 4.3. Yeah, 4.3. So he's going to save you a bit more money. There we go. So, I mean, I think he's played the last few games. Yeah, the last six or seven. So he might be might be a good shout. Um, yeah, and indeed Jeff- got all three bonus points in, in game week 18. So Wow, impressive. Nine points. Nine points. Well, cool. A bit like Ramsdale <laughs> on my bench. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, that must be absolutely gutting. Um, so but you, week, Ted, I'm getting used to it. <laughs> there's no way you would have played Ramsdale over Lloris, though. So, no, exactly. Uh, exactly. Illogical decision. So going from um, one end of the table to the other then, uh, Manchester City, what did you make of the Man City performance against Brighton? Because it wasn't, for me, what I was expecting. Uh, yeah, I can I can partly agree with that. I, Man City's behaviour, like it has changed so dramatically from last season. And it, I think their performance against Brighton was just an extension of what we've seen in recent weeks from Man City. A lot of, a lot of intent, uh, amazing creative attacking play but not really any end product Mm. and that's something that we're struggling with De Bruyne just looks sensational we know how sensational he is the crosses I mean even the chances that he creates that the striker doesn't connect with look fantastic and he won't get recognized in the stat department for those uh, apart from maybe a cross or something uh he's exceptional he's not finishing well that's the thing I would I would say he's not uh converting his shots I don't think he's got a single goal from open play um his assists his his attempted assists are outstanding but his teammates just don't want to convert them for it apart from obviously Foden who's actually converted the last two assists for for De Bruyne so it seems like he's the go-to for for De Bruyne's assists but uh it's frustrating um tripling up on on City, do you like but this is I do, yeah. Normal team, I do, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I'm very happy you about that. You, you, you're happy to keep with him, or because for me, he's one of these interesting players right now who I agree with everything you just said from from watching him from the things he's doing, looks great. But I just don't know if I trust the rest of the Manchester City assets to give him the points that he deserves. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think he needs to have the right personnel around him. I think a lack of a recognised striker that they mm. they're playing more fluid uh, football, which is great, and Pep obviously likes that. But uh, without Aguero, without Jesus playing game in, game out in their number nine spot, then I think it lacks a bit of structure. And um, they need someone to start converting all of the chances that he's being created. Um, and he himself also needs to start converting the, those shots. <laughs> yeah, I just does. can't believe. Yeah. And I think, you know, Jesus came on, obviously, in game week 18 against Brighton. And, and just for me, didn't look quite like he was ready to be on the, that pitch. I think there is a, there's a bit of a rush because of what you've just said about, you know, missing that missing that number nine with Aguero being out for so long and, and Jesus being out as well. It has been problematic. We've seen De Bruyne play there. We've seen Torres play there. We've seen Sterling play there, but none of them have quite been that striker that, that Man City have really needed. Um, and yeah. I didn't think Jesus looked like he was really on it. Um, and, and the problem I have with Man City is obviously we'll talk about them again when we get to game week 19 when they have a nice set of double fixtures. Um, but they just, it's so hard to pick a consistent starter apart from Kevin De Bruyne. You don't really know who the team around him are going to be. And, and he can only be the heartbeat of that team, for me anyway, if he gets some consistency around the players that he's he's got playing alongside him. Because they need that relationship building. We see that with, with Son and, and Kane at Spurs. You get the relationship working and you get regular returns. And I feel like at Manchester City, we haven't quite seen that kick into gear just yet. Yeah, I agree with you. And what you said about Jesus was spot on. Like Weirdly, I think he started playing left mid when he came on. So <laughs> yeah. it was a bit strange. But yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying. Like The structure at Man City needs to be a little bit more consistent. I think Pep's changing it too much. Um, mm. What I would say is the backbone of the team tends to be pretty consistent, actually, with the Rodri and the Gundogan in the pivot. And then De Bruyne is just in front. And then the defence is pretty consistent as well. Like the likes of John Stones at 5 million, it could be a really good long-term shout. Great value, considering. Right? Yeah, great value. And um, City are absolutely fantastic with clean sheets right now. So I would even maybe go for Stones over Diaz if you've got, um, you know, if you want to bank, bank the extra money. Um, Cancelo for me is the biggest enigma at the moment. I, I watch him and I, he, he's just... He does everything right. He does everything mm. right. He gets in the right positions. He gets fed through and he gets a cross in. It's just that final ball, which always lets him down. I even had a couple of shots against Brighton. I thought he was going to score, leapt up from my seat, but uh, saved by Sanchez. So, <laughs> oh, it's difficult, I, isn't it? I think, you know, I own Diaz in my normal team. Um, and I've been really happy with him, to be honest, because... Gets the clean sheet points, which is why I bought him. So back in you know six game weeks ago, um, when I was trying to decide, do I go Cancelo, do I go Diaz? Because they were the two at City at that stage that were were looking like the best options. This was pre the John Stones revival as an FPL asset. <laughs> um, and I was like, I think I'm going to go with Diaz. And I remember having this conversation with Lee, and I was like, I go Diaz because. Safety of starts, um, not necessarily going to get the attacking returns, but look at the City fixtures. I want him for the clean sheets that he's going to provide. If he doesn't get any attacking returns, that's absolutely fine. Cancelo, I was like, you know, there's attacking potential there, but is there solidity of starting? Um, because there are other players that can play in that position. Now, what we've seen of late, of course, is that actually they've both been consistently starting. They both looked good. Um, Diaz has some more threat, actually, than I necessarily gave him credit for when I gave him attacking-wise. There is some scope there in certain fixtures to get some you know, aerial 
aerial threat from set pieces. But they both look like nice options. And then you throw John Stones into the mix. And I'm looking at Manchester City for this double game week coming up um, at a point where actually my team is quite nicely set up, or it was until all the drama surrounding game week 19 <laughs> happened. It was quite nicely set up with having a bit of a mixture because I am one of these FPL managers. I don't know about you, but I don't necessarily buy into the whole let's go for 15 double game week players because there's always one or two single game weekers who have a nice fixture and end up burning you for taking them out so I've, I've always had it in my head that you know getting most of my team in the double great having a couple that are singles but have nice fixtures then also fine and I watched Man City in this Brighton game and thought it's interesting because this is the sort of game I was expecting to see City at their best I was expecting to see them kind of run free and I, I think what happened at the end of that City game for me was quite interesting so City uh, Kevin De Bruyne does what he does best wins a penalty and then hands it to Sterling who I mean I don't even know what kind of penalty that was it was one of the worst penalties I've seen in in a very very long time and Pep's response at the end of the game was well I think Kevin was a bit tired and it's like it's one kick of a football like what do you mean he was a bit tired you know so uh, I'm kind of back into the city conundrum again, where I'm looking at, at, at De Bruyne, who I don't as standard own. I have him in my free hit team, but not in my normal FPL team. And I'm looking at the fixtures across the double, and I'm thinking, oh, do I want to take out Bruno Fernandes? Absolutely not. Do I want to take out Ma- Mohamed Salah? Well, hmm, I know I'll get burnt. Do I want to take out Sun? Well, that's a bit more debatable at the moment because his form's been a little bit off, but then he's playing Sheffield United and um, the chance to get in behind is probably there. Yeah. Um, do I want to take Harry Kane? Well, on his performance um, in Game Week 18, absolutely not. So I'm struggling to get Kevin De Bruyne in. Um, in because of that, and because of what we've said before about you know the, the other attacking players that may or may not get a start under Pep in this game, the lack of a number nine, because I'm not sure Jesus is, is capable of two games in a week at the moment. Um, I'm not sure if he's even capable of 90 minutes if it, on the basis of what I saw against Brighton in game yeah. week 18. But we'll, we'll see. It's a long time to come till Wednesday. Um, yeah, so I... I... I think the interesting thing about De Bruyne is after the three after the free hit, uh, everyone thinks that De Bruyne is now a hundred percent owned by the entire world, but he's actually mm-hmm. only twenty six percent owned. Yeah. So he's actually a relative differential for a for a premium from premium guy. So I don't. I think there's going to be a lot of people in the same situation as you who can't find a way of getting getting him in, and I'm not sure that's completely the end of the world to be honest because no I don't I, I, I'm glad you said that because I, I don't feel like that I think there's yeah other I think um I think City aren't going to set the world alight each game week just just by the showing of Brighton like I think Brighton are, are the team that have underperformed the worst the most um mm. defensively I would have thought that Man City would have turned them over but they didn't so I don't think going without De Bruyne is the end of the world, but I personally am quite happy owning because I think that in any one game, they could just turn it on and and win 4-0, win 5-0. Yeah. I agree, so, I agree. I think so, my, yeah. my, my thinking is probably that I'm going to go into this with the double up at the back. Yes. Because it kind of makes sense to kind of try and... I don't think you can ever cover Kevin De Bruyne, don't get me wrong. And, and my view going into game week 19 as likely a non, non-KDB owner 
um, is that I've got other players in my team who my opponents won't necessarily have because they've got Kevin. So I think there is there's justification for owning. There's also justification for not owning, depending upon yeah. who you own yeah. instead of. So I think it's tough when you look at these two um, two fixtures that that they have. I think you know when you're when you're talking about a double game week where they play Crystal Palace um, and then Aston Villa, it's it's an interesting bag. Now we should have out at this point that the Aston Villa's um, first fixture of game week 19 um, has now been postponed. So their their game against Everton has been has been cancelled. So they cannot play on Sunday this week, meaning that we kind of still don't have any clarity or certainty, maybe, that that game against against Manchester City in the middle of the week will definitely happen. I would hope that by the time we get to to Wednesday next time next week, we would be in a position where where Aston Villa will be able to play football again because it feels like a very very long time since I've seen Aston Villa. It, it uh, does, take yeah. Football. Um, so I would hope that that game would be fine, but it is something that as FPL managers, I guess, we just have to keep in the back of our minds is that the fixtures are, are changing left, right and centre. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's an interesting one. As you said, Aston Villa were really exciting before they before they got diagnosed with COVID. Um, I think uh, there's like three players that were in the top five statistically. El Ghazi was setting the world alight with number of he shots. He was a hero, he was wasn't he? Yeah, so where, well, I don't know how, how everything is affecting the Aston Villa squad, but it's... It's very difficult to make predictions when there's such a fundamental change to the way that they've been behaving in the last couple of weeks. Mm. So who knows? Think, but Before we get into talking about Game Week 19 then, let's just clarify where we are at the moment with Game Week 19. So we've obviously had confirmation from the Premier League that the Aston Villa and Everton game that was scheduled originally for Saturday and then moved to Sunday is now postponed. Um, so that game won't happen which means Everton um, will now blank in game week 19. So of all of these other crazy amounts of fixtures that some of the other teams have, Everton now don't play. So if you have an Everton asset, it's, uh, like I do, I mean, I still own Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Um, he was always going to be my transfer out this week anyway, so that's fine. Um, it actually just makes it easier somehow yeah. that he's injured and now doesn't have a fixture. Somehow it's now a no-brainer to kind of get rid of him. Um, so they will blank. But Aston Villa, rather than, as we all thought, just moving to having a single game week versus Manchester City, that's definitely not appealing to us as FPL managers, in my view, anyway, they now will double again because their fixture that they originally had with Newcastle has been rearranged to the Saturday of game week at 19. So they will play Manchester City on, on Wednesday and then Following that, right at the end of Game Week 19, during the FA Cup weekend, they will play um, against Newcastle to make up for one of their matches that they missed. So Aston Villa keep their double, but rather than having a double against Everton and, and, and City, they now have it against City and Newcastle. Meanwhile, uh, the game between Southampton and Leeds has also been postponed to enable an FA Cup fixture Um against Shrewsbury to continue. So Southampton and Leeds both will still play in game week 19, but rather than having doubles, they will now have a single game week. Which is a real kicker, isn't it, for the people that have planned for the double game week with Saints and uh, and Leeds players, really? Is... Yeah. So how does this affect you, Ted? Because obviously with your normal team, you've now got um, Aston Villa, if you still own them, they're still going to play, but then there is a little bit of kind of worry about, we don't know who... We don't know who it is that's tested positive for COVID. We haven't had specific names of players from Aston Villa. 
So we don't really know the impact that that's going to have on the players themselves. Even if they've not had COVID, of course, they haven't been to the training ground. So they've not been doing um, all the stuff that you would want them to be doing in preparation for a game. Um, if you've got Everton players, they now don't have a game. Um, and if you have Southampton and Leeds players, and, and I don't know about you, but I have a lot of Southampton and Leeds players, they now go from having a nice double game week to, to in Southampton's case, a little bit of a difficult single game week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's affected me uh, a huge amount. Um, I have only Martinez from Aston Villa. So um, the fact that he's still got a double game week is encouraging. And the fact that he's got Newcastle at home in that second fixture is is also good. Um, personally, like, I think Aston Villa could get a result at City. So I don't think it's the worst fixture ever. I think Man City are tired. Um and Aston Villa have had two weeks off. I know it's COVID, so obviously there's going to be different reactions um, by the different players. So we don't know exactly, but on the face of it, they're having two weeks off from playing football. So they could be fresher than City. Uh, my other players, I have three leads, Dallas, uh, Rafinha and Bamford, and two mm -hmm. Southampton, Adams and McCarthy. So instead of having 14 double game week players, I'm now going to have considerably less than that which is a bit of a kick in the teeth but we have to make the most of it and I think Leeds fixture Brighton at home is still a very good one um, so I'm quite quite happy to have that uh, those those three leads and uh, in game week 20 they've got Newcastle so mm -hmm. the, the next two fixtures for Leeds are great and I'm happy owning uh, the Southampton one was a bit of a an annoying annoying one because they got Leicester away in game week 19 which is which is a tough fixture and uh, but a bit unpredictable. It's tough for Leicester as well, because Southampton are no pushovers. Yeah, and Leicester haven't been as good as at home as they have been on the road so far this season in terms of the number of goals that they've scored. So yeah, exactly, as, yeah. as a Southampton defensive owner, it's maybe not the end of the world, but it's not as ideal as it was having a double. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think the the big question on everyone's minds is... If you were intending to bench boost this game week and mm. with all of all of the changes to the fixtures, do you still bench boost or do you save it for a later game week? So personally, I'm going to find it very difficult to bench boost this game week, not just because of the change of fixtures, but also I've made a couple of bad decisions with uh, Lindelof and Balbuena. Not and Lindelof, because Bal when we were on the scout cast together, Ted, Lindelof was your hero. <laughs> he's, he? he's gone hero to zero for me very quickly <laughs> I, I managed I, I think it's probably the greatest feat known to man in FPL that I've transferred in Lindelof for his only two attacking returns of the entire season back to back for two game weeks Maverick. and then and then he's just got to get get himself injured so I uh, really messed up my double game week plans um, and Babuena suckered me in with his 4.4 million price tag only to be mm -hmm. dropped for Craig Dawson the next week. So I'm a bit miffed about that. Um, so I'm going to find it very difficult to bench boost uh, without taking a minus eight and four. So the plan was always to upgrade Brewster to Antonio this game week and, and then to bench boost. But like that. Even, even with the single game week fixtures, if, if Lindelof and Balbuena were going to play, I think I would still bench boost because the ramifications mm. later down the line will be affected. So I think one thing to consider is that if you don't bench boost game, this, this game week, the only real other opportunity you have later in the season is in the second double game week, which is in uh, game week 26, 
and that's going to be a slightly smaller double game week. And if you've still got your wild card, wild carding in game week 25 and building a squad for 26 um, would be normally a good strategy. Now, the difficult part is if you've already used your free hit, game week 29 will then become a big problem because that's going to look to be a blank game week. Um, so if you build up a squad in 25 using your wild card to bench boost in 26, it means that you don't have any players from potentially game week 29 to play. Mm-hmm. So you only have a few free transfers to build up a squad for 29. Now, the caveat is that potentially it could be a bit of a dud game week with only maybe one major team playing in it. And potentially you could get away with four or five key players. So this is the dilemma for me. If I don't bench boost, then it mucks it up down the line for me. So <laughs> I'm a bit stuck. So for me, I was never planning to bench boost in game week 19. Yep. I originally fully intended to triple captain Salah in game week 19. Yeah. And then Salah has just disappeared off and been replaced <laughs> by by a vi- version of himself which I I've never seen before. Like I've never seen consistently lack of returns in Salah like this. Um and it's yeah. to the point where I don't feel like I can I can no longer play the triple captain on, on Salah as a result of that. And the reason I wasn't bench boosting originally was because of to be honest, it was through fear. Um I looked at the situation um COVID and otherwise around at the moment and thought, I don't know what I'm doing in terms of the teams I'm getting, the postponements I'm getting. I don't want to play my bench boost only to then find games get called off and I don't have um, enough double game weekers or I don't have I don't have players who don't have games. Um, I was also in a place where I have a non-playing keeper, although he did play um, when McCarthy got his COVID positive because I have Forster. Uh-huh. Um, that was handy. So I was in a place where I was like, well, do I, in order to bench boost, I've really got to get a playing keeper. So do I take some money in and invest it in my building up my bench? So it was all a bit dramatic at a time where I felt like I couldn't make those decisions because I, I, I didn't feel like I was getting enough time through nobody's fault, but just simply because the COVID situation changes so quickly that you you, you can never really be 100% certain. And I think it's, it's taught me a lesson as an FPL manager that I no longer plan quite as long-term. It's all a little bit shorter term. It's kind of thinking about what's happening, maybe one or two game weeks as opposed to game weeks further down the line. And, and I, so I, in my head, I was like, I just don't feel like I can bench boost, but I do want a triple captain. At the time I made the decision not to play my triple captain card in 19, was also at the point where it looked likely that Spurs were going to play Fulham in a double game week in 26, um, alongside likely either Burnley or, or Southampton. Um, and so I thought, well, you know, that could be a really nice place to triple captain Harry Kane. And, and we all yeah. know how much I love Harry Kane. Um, <laughs> there was even a possibility point, of a, a, treble, a triple game week for Spurs. Yes, then, there was. There? And there was. And, and there still may be in the future, because obviously Spurs still have the game that they've missed against Aston Villa to fit in yeah. somewhere. So there still is potential for a triple um, game week four for these teams. It hasn't quite gone away yet, particularly depending upon how far Spurs get in uh, FA Cup. Um, obviously, they've yeah. got the League Cup final and, and obviously the Europa League too. So that still does exist in the idea of triple captaining. My absolute legend hero that is Harry Kane fills me with a lot, of, a lot of love. I've got to be honest, Ted. So I think I'm going to hold that. But for me, I'm 
a lot of FPL managers, and I don't know how you feel about this, it'd be interesting to get your views, um, feel like the, the bench boost has to be used in a double game week. Now, so far this season, I have benched more points than I care to remember. Um, <laughs> it honestly, is a joke. It, it, it is silly. Um, if you watch our live streams, you'll see that I can't, it's just ridiculous how many points I've left on my bench over the course of the season. Because of the way that I've structured my team, there's often players like Suchek who I can't get into the starting 11. So sit on the bench and then do what Suchek does best and you know, gets attacking returns. Same with Creswell in game week 17. Couldn't quite get him into my team, sat him on my bench with 11 points. It, it feels like it's, it's fairly consistently happening. So in my mind, I've kind of gone back to the thinking of the bench boost. There will be game weeks that come up in the future where I look at my whole squad and think, you've all got nice fixtures. I might just play it in a single game week. I think the triple captain, it makes a lot of sense for that to go in a double um, in a double game week, particularly yeah. on, a, on a player like Salah or Kane, who you're fairly certain is going to start both. Um, or Kevin De Bruyne, of course. Yeah. Bruno Fernandes. But, you know, I think that has to go there. It makes a lot of sense. But the bench boost, is it viable to just put it in a single game week when you think your whole squad looks good? Because it's really hard at the moment with the changes, the constant changes to the structure and, and the fixture lists to work yeah, out absolutely. when things should go. Yeah, I, I think... Um... It's perfectly viable to bench boost in a single game week. The The issue I have is that personally, I like to play FPL with most of my money in the first mm. 11. Yeah. And if you're if you're a player like this, it seems like you, you pick a full squad of 14, 15 with decent bench options. So for someone who plays the way you do, then it may be easier to bench boost in a single game week because mm. all you need to do is really get a playing keeper. For me, it's quite difficult because it's, at the moment I've got 15, uh, well, hopefully playing players, but Lindelof and Balbuena are a problem. So this is the only point in the season where I have funds invested through the squad. So yeah. it makes it sort of, I'm also obli almost obligated to bench boost this week, even though I'm not very happy doing it. Um, so bench boosting in a single game week, if, you, if you're the kind of player that wants to spread the funds among your squad, I think it's perfectly reasonable. And I think with all of the fixture changes in 19, it looks like we're probably going to be bench boosting single game week players anyway. Um, it's just the, the way that you play. If you, if you want all of your funds in the first 11, it might be quite difficult to do that later down the line. Mm. Um, I wanted to come back to what you said about triple captaining Salah, because for me, I'm possibly most tempted to do that, even though it's oh, had a bit. Yeah, I'm, I've had a bit of. It will probably be De Bruyne or Salah um, as a triple captain because Fernandez on four yellow cards really yeah, would it's be. Yeah, worry, isn't it? Absolutely, would be a massive kick in the teeth if he gets booked in that Liverpool game. Particularly um, the Liverpool game first. I think if absolutely. it was the other way around, you might worry about it less. But that Liverpool game's got so much riding on it in terms of the yeah. title race and everything else that. Yeah, the chance of him picking up a yellow card do worry me a bit. Yeah, I mean, you, you would have thought that Solskjaer would have a word of him saying, don't put any new tackles, <laughs> just just stay away from the game until you get the ball. But I mean, Fernandes is a passionate player. He wants to be involved in everything. He wants to play he every does. minute. Um, so I just, don't, I just don't buy it that he's not going to give it 100% in that match and could easily pick up a booking. So I'll be staying away from him captaincy-wise. Um, like personally, uh, after the free hit squad's Done. I'm coming back to my old squad and I have 
De Bruyne, Salah, Fernandez, and Son. So I've got a, a beastly midfield of those those four. So I'm quite covered among the four major teams. So if if I think City are going to have because on paper there are two fixtures in 19, Palace and Aston Villa are the best. Mm-hmm. So probably triple captaining De Bruyne is on paper probably the best, but I just don't see how Salah can blank four games in a row. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought so. And this, this Man United game's got so much on it. This is why I liked this as an original plan with the triple captain, because that Man United game, for me, feels like Salah. It's, it's Salah versus Bruno, isn't it? They're both going to yeah. be out there flexing their muscles. Um, <laughs> and I would suspect that there's goals in it for both of them, which is why I kind of had that original compelling urge to, to give it to Salah. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's had a week off as well. Um, did he play in the FA Cup? Um, I can't remember whether he did or not. I think he yeah, did. Yeah, he did. Um, but he, he likes to play anyway, but he hasn't had a Premier League match uh, since uh, game week 17. So in theory, he's going to want to get out there and give it his all against Man United. And I I am very tempted. Like that Fulham game is, is great for... Oh, no, sorry, that's Man United. Um Liverpool, who are they playing? Maybe they are Burnley. playing Burnley. So yeah, Burnley did they they represented themselves well against Man United. I was I was surprised to see uh, them restrict Man United to only one goal. Um, but they Burnley are better bit... at home than they are away. They're yeah. better at turf more than they are. Yeah, going to Anfield's really tough. That's a tough yeah. game for for anybody, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think a few teams have turned them over this season. Uh, they haven't been as strong defensively, as you say, um, away from home. So I am tempted to triple captain Salah, but I, I still have to weigh up whether I need to bench boost and take a minus eight um, in order to do that because I don't really want to have a full squad of 15 players just on the off chance that I want to bench boost in that week. So it's a bit of a, a conundrum. Um, I haven't fully made my mind up. And um, yeah, what, what are you edging towards, Sam? Like, what's your... What's your... I am edging to not, not playing a chip. In not playing a chip at all. I'm, Interesting. I'm, playing, I'm playing through it. Um, I have enough double game week. I have enough decent players that I could bench boost, um, but I don't feel like I've not been planning for that. So I've, I've my transfers haven't really been focused on a bench boost team. They've been more focused on getting players like um, that I want moving forward past game week nineteen. Um, obviously, they're playing in in nineteen, but I've been kind of thinking, you know, twenty as well, twenty one. Where am I going? Um, and that's sort of gone out the window a little bit because of what's been going on with COVID, which is why I'm now kind of reining it back in a bit and just thinking a bit more short term. But but for me right now, I, I don't want to give the triple captaincy to Salah this time around. I, I feel like the fixtures are nice, but the form isn't really there. I don't know, something about Liverpool just doesn't feel quite right at the moment. I think those key players that they've been missing have just affected, affected the whole team, really. Um, and Klopp looks angrier than I've ever seen every time I watch him play. He's <laughs> sitting on the bench looking furious at every five minutes. So I don't know. I just I, I don't feel like the moment is right for the triple captaincy. And I, and I kind of feel with triple captainship, you get a gut feeling for a player in a match and you think, right, that is that is the time. Um, yeah. And I, so I think with the potential that we could see some triple game weeks later on, it feels it feels more sensible to hold to hold that chip. Um until later on in the season um the bench boost thing just it just doesn't feel like it's the right thing for my team it 
sort of would have felt okay had Southampton and Leeds had their doubles still in play. But to lose, because I have um, two Leeds boys and I have three Southampton boys, if you count my my sub-Southampton keeper, um, who, we, again, there's no guarantee that McCarthy is going to be available for for their their single game week fixture. So I apparently suspect, he's back in back in training. Apparently, yeah, so. I suspect he will be. But my concern is always about the kind of the long COVID effects that like we've seen with St Maximan, for example, at Newcastle, is that they come back and then it's whether the impact of having the disease has actually affected their ability, their you know their fitness, all of that kind of stuff. So I think McCarthy will be fine and will be available, but. Do I want to take out Forster at that moment? Yes. I don't know. I, I, it's, it's all a bit up in the air, but for me, I think safe. I feel safe is just playing through it, holding those two chips. I'm not opposed to using my bench boost in a single game week because I can just change, do a keeper change at some point, and then the rest of the team looks okay. Um, so I, I think for me, I'm, I'm, I'm probably just going to go chipless into game week 19, which feels a bit risky <laughs> because a lot of the community will play the bench boost or maybe the triple captaincy. But for me, so much has changed about game week 19. The fixtures, um, you know, we've got a team at blanks now. We've got teams with different doubles. We've got teams that were doubling and now singling. So much has changed that it, it feels like the wrong moment for, for me and my team, but I can absolutely understand the, the logic behind still playing those chips in that league. Yeah, it's interesting uh, getting a different perception about it um, because I, I, even if you uh, don't use a chip and you captain the player that's probably mostly going to be hev- uh, heavily triple captained, maybe you're only going to miss out a, a third of their points. So yeah. uh, it's yeah, not I mean, the end I'll of the world. So I'll yeah. have Salah as my captain. So, you know, I'm going to cover the majority of triple captaincy options um, because like you say, I think Kevin will be a a really good captaincy this week, but he's not highly owned. So even if he does do really well, it's not going to hurt me that much. Even if he does really well as some people's triple captains, it's not going to hurt me that much. Whereas if I don't triple captain and don't captain Salah and he bangs, the impact of that is is great on, on my rank. Yeah, I think you're convincing me to triple captain De Bruyne now um, <laughs> because the I need to... for that to, to be huge in terms of rank rises. Like picking a Kevin De Bruyne, how often is Kevin De Bruyne a differential pick in FPL? Like never, <laughs> it just never happens. So the ability to keep triple captain somebody like Kevin, um, who you sure surely is going back on penalties after Sterling's miss. So the the, the possibility of triple captaining somebody like. Um, like Kevin De Bruyne, who's on penalties in fixtures which look nice um, at a time where he's only owned by 20 20 something percent of the FPL community. Yeah, it's interesting. Really nice. I, I was in, I was interested by Pep's comments as he he mentioned earlier about um, the comments about Sterling's penalty, and he mm. says he said something like. Uh, I De Bruyne was tired, but I mm. really uh, was excited about Sterling's um, attitude towards taking the penalty. He'll get the next one, and it was that last sentence that I was like, "Surely he's not going to go back on penalties." I mean, did you watch? Did you watch the penalty, Pep? Did I can't see really it? well. <laughs> it was one of the worst penalties I've ever seen. So for me, you know, I don't think so. So I think for you, then, what I'm hearing is you might bench boost, you might triple captain. <laughs> But have you got a transfer? Because you've got a free transfer in the bag after your free hit this week. So is there something that you, is there one that's like, that is my my transfer for the week? 
Yeah, I think this is the transfer that I've been planning for maybe like four or five game weeks. And it's 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 an easy one. It's Brewster to Antonio um, because West Ham, one of the teams that we actually haven't talked about, um, probably mm, have, have one nice of them. Double. They have a really nice double. Burnley and West Brom both at home. Um, really, really appetising. And, um, you know, Antonio, he's just come back from injury, but he did play 90 minutes uh, against Stockport in the cup. And they didn't look amazing, West Ham. It was a lot of pot shots from from the edge of the box. But um, it was nice to see that Antonio played 90 minutes, which gives me Mm. a lot of encouragement that he's going to be playing lots of minutes in the next two games. Even if he gets 60, 70 in each, that will do it for me. I'm quite happy. Yeah, absolutely. And then they've got Palace after that. So three fixtures, which which are quite quite good to target um so it'll be an easy transfer for me um the question will be whether i sort out my bench with Lindelof and balbuena for a minus eight and, and bench boost or whether i just keep with what i have um i'm probably tempted not to do the minus eight uh if i'm completely honest mm. because i don't think there's much upside to it um the cash in the bank is zero after the antonio transfer and lindelof and babuena aren't exactly the most expensive of assets so no um i can't really do any amazing upside sideways moves so yeah i'm tempted just to do that one transfer brewster to antonio and i'm i mean i think probably what i'm edging towards is triple captaining de bruyne and then I will wildcard in 25, bench boost in 26 and struggle in game week 29. Um, that's my plan. <laughs> it's almost procrastinating my worries um, further down the line. So kicking the can down the road. So, yeah, that's the plan. What about you? Are you, are you going to do a, a free transfer? Yeah, I am. Yeah. So I, I, I think for me, my, my intention has always been this week to take Dominic Calvert-Lewin out and replace him with, like you say, with Antonio, because the Haller uh, transfer kind of sealed it for me. As soon as he left, I was like, well, there you are, then that's that's a bit of a no-brainer. As long as he's fit and gets through the FA Cup, um, that'll be my transfer. So that's what I'm going to do. And frees up a little bit of money as well. So if I do want to go down the Kevin De Bruyne route at some stage, which looking at the City fixtures, I, I'm probably going to, it does leave me enough in the bank to take Sun up um, to KDB. So... That there is the scope to do that. Um, and that is something I'm kind of pondering on whether I take a minus four to do that this time around. But Sun does have a game against Sheffield United and that feels like an opportunity for him. He does look really tired um, and that does worry me. He looks like he's just having a dip of form. And, and sometimes when they hit that dip, it's the right time to move off them. So it's definitely going to be Dominic Havert-Lewin. Now he's blanking and got a hamstring injury. It's an absolute yeah. brainer to take him to Antonio. That'll have me trebled up on, on West Ham going into their nice, their nice double and their um, their nice fixture in game week 20 as well. Um, there's so many I, options from, from West Ham, isn't there? It's a really good double game week. And there's there's the likes of Antonio. There's Dawson, um, who seems to have nailed his, nailed his spot down. And he got a goal against Stockport at the Cup. There's yeah. Sufal, who's great for crosses and creativity, and Salchek. I mean, most people are going to have him as their fifth mid. Yeah. And there's also Rafinha for Leeds uh, at the equivalent price, or even Gundogan. Um, yeah. But yeah, loads of options from West Ham, which makes yeah. it 
quite appealing to load up. Yeah, I mean, I've got I've got Creswell, Suchek, and, and I will have Antonio, who feel like a really nice trio to to have invested in. So I'm I'm really happy with with those kind of decisions. And then I think, yeah, like you say, captaincy on Salah this time around, um, but likely no chip, um, just through a slight gut feeling that Salah isn't the right one for me this time around. Doesn't mean that it's not a good option to do it. I just I'm not not absolutely now but yeah that's fair enough like his form was his form's been poor and I think people have taken it out on him a bit harshly because of the opponents it was West Brom Newcastle and Southampton that he should have got something in those three games uh on paper so um I can totally see that decision um and and the Man United game is is a tough one so but it will be it will be a jam-packed game full of enthusiasm and intent and a lot of intensity so Anything can happen for me in that game. That's the one I'm looking forward to most watching this weekend. Should be a good one, shouldn't it? Definitely. Okay, before I let you go, let's just have a little catch up about you and TED Talks and what your plans are, because you've been going great guns um, this season. Kind of growth has been been crazy of late. You've done a lot of great work for, for FFS. You've been on the Scoutcast a lot. You've been on Scoutcast Match Day. Um, and obviously, you've also been producing video content um, for the FF Scout Scout Notes articles that go out on the back of, of game week. So we're seeing you quite a lot in all sorts of different <laughs> places. So kind of give us an give us an insight into into you, your content creating, where you're going with TED Talks because it, it all seems to be going on the upper right now. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, I mean, I really appreciate being involved with the Scout Network. That's um, that's given me lots of opportunities to, um, you know, send my message out there, voice my opinion in various different places, which is great. And um, so initially when I started, I think it was just, I was on Twitter for a year or so. And I come from a background of um, like data analytics and, and creating st- stuff like infographics and things like that I just started doing that um just for fun and people started liking it so I did a bit I did a few more and then I start doing more and more of that and it has grown and at the start of this season I was at around 5,000 6,000 followers on Twitter but but since then it's grown as you said massively over the over the last six months and um I've upped the amount of content that I've I've uh, dished out each week. Uh, Twitter's grown to sort of 12,000 followers, something like that. Uh, YouTube has grown from around 300 subscribers to um, 2,300, I think it's something like that. Which is um, amazing growth. Which is great. Uh, I'm very, very uh, appreciative of all the people that watch my videos because I've I'm just playing around at the moment with what what I like doing and I think I need to the, uh, what I was saying in, in a bit is about what my plans are for YouTube going forwards. Um, it's a really excellent platform and quite a lot of my stuff is visual. So it works quite well with um, the infographics and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about getting involved in everything and uh, you know, really appreciate the opportunities um, that have come my way. Um, with, with anyone that wants to get into content creation, I would just, I would just go and do it. If you really enjoy it, it's not yeah. going to be, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a hassle to yourself doing anything. If it feels like you actually want to contribute to the community, just go and do it. And you'll be, you'll be it's rewarded. It's a fun place with, to be, right? Absolutely. It's a, it's a great fun place to be. I um, when we started the FKL family, it's a bit, 
you kind of at the beginning it's a little bit nerve-wracking but actually once you do one or two it, it's just a lot of fun it's a, it's a lot of it's a fun place to be the community it really great. is like um, you get that like twitter gets that. yeah twitter gets a lot of bad press in terms of um uh, trolling and things like that but fpl the fpl community is probably one of the nicest places to be in terms of positive feedback uh with anything that anyone uh releases everything is encouraged and um it's just a very very wholesome place to be so incredibly appreciative of everyone out there um so my plans for youtube i'm quite excited about saying this but i've got my plan is to do two videos a week and they're going to be consistently themed. One's going to be picking eight players, one from each position and price category and setting a points target for them over four weeks. And I'll be tracking that every week to see how well they do. Revisiting my picks and I'll be backing those selections up with stats from my usual charts and animations. And the second one will be a score prediction uh, uh, video for each game week and uh, once again using the team team graphics and animations doing that so hope i'm excited about setting that up that's coming to you very soon uh so yeah excited about the prospects about growing some more and about giving you guys some uh extra content uh going forward so yeah that's great because i think you know one of the things that as fpl content creators it's sometimes hard is to come up with something that's new and that hasn't been done before. Um, because there's so many of us out there doing the same sort of things, but obviously talking about it with slightly different focuses or just different voices saying different things. And it, you know, it's lovely to hear about new kind of concepts and new ideas. And I think one of the things that I particularly love about, about the things that you do is, is the way that it's presented. It, it's so different to, to how many people do it. You know, for a lot of people, myself included, it's just me sat there, Ridley, you know, having a chat about <laughs> FPL because that's that's what we do. That's our thing. Like, you know, we just sit and we talk. Um, whereas for you, because you have the animations and, and the graphics, um, it makes for a, a different FPL experience. And, and that's really good because a lot of the time, you know, what people are saying across the community is diverse. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Some people say, you know, you might have the same sort of ideas on something, but the fact that we're backing it up in slightly different ways, it makes it accessible to everybody. And, and in very different timeframes, you know, Lee and I talk for a long time on our streams on a Sunday night, whereas yours are much more short form. Um, yep. Quick grab. Exactly. I want to watch something that's I've got 20 minutes on my lunch break here. Bang. I've got I've got some videos from TED Talks that I can catch up with. And, and for me, that's that's perfect. It's perfect kind of a way into the FPL community that um, when you don't have a lot of time and then when you do have more time, you've obviously got the longer stuff that, that you can engage with and your, and your threads that you do on Twitter um, and that sort of stuff that are really useful um, FPL content. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see your new, your new content when it comes out. It'll give me something to, to kind of get into because, you know, we all watch them as, as content creators, we'll watch each other's each other's stuff and, and use it to help inform the decisions that we're making too so it's always yeah absolutely i think that's what i like about the fpl community uh, that everyone has their own strengths everyone has different opinions um and everyone just appreciates each other for their different different abilities and you know people like different stuff as well they like long podcasts they like long youtube yeah. uh, chats or they like short uh, yeah, snippets absolutely. of stuff so you know, there's something out there for everyone. And um, yeah, just go and check out as much as you can um, and get as much opinion and digest yeah. it and make some great FPL decisions. So before I let you go, Ted, just 
for the viewers or the listeners rather um, out there, just give us a heads up to your where they can find you if they want to engage with your content a bit more. Yeah, so um, I'm on Twitter at TED Talks FPL. I'm also on Instagram with the same username. Um, YouTube channel, TED Talks FPL, go and search for that. That's going through a rebrand as well. Uh, so every, I, I did a rebranding over Christmas, actually, with with new logos and new Twitter headers and things like that. So that'll be the theme going forwards. Um, but yes, uh, the other one is website tedtalksfpl.com, which I'm terrible at updating and need to get better <laughs> at. But uh, there's a lot of a lot of good stuff on there uh, when it gets updated. So go and check all that out. And um, yeah, leave me some feedback if you if you like it. Amazing. Or don't Thank like you it. so much for joining <laughs> us today, Ted. I really appreciate you coming on and being our first guest on Scout the Game Week. It's Very honoured. lovely to talk to you. And, you. and so that is it for this week's Scout the Game Week. I will be back next week with another Scout the Game Week after Game Week. Well, we'll be in the middle of Game Week 19 now with the new fixture um, at the weekend. But I'll be joined this time by the lovely FPL Nymphria um, to look ahead to Game Week 20. See you soon. Bye, guys.